For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome, it's Eric Erickson. How are you out there across the fruit plain? Kansas City, how are you people? Glad you're with me. Alan, in Kansas City, you know who you are. I just want you to know, I was going to come back to work today, but because you guys just started to, decided to start the show yesterday, I came back yesterday, and then because I came back to work yesterday, I wound up having to do seven hours. Not just my show, I had to do another show as well. Had an hour between to get ready for the next show. Uh, God bless my buddy Jared uh, Yamamoto at WSB. He was able to help me with a, a ton of show prep um, in that hour to be able to get ready to do a, a, another three-hour radio show about completely different topics. But um, I, I blame Alan <laughs> in Kansas City. I was going to come back. To, I was going to start today. But nope, came back yesterday. Wanted to be here with Kansas City when they started. Didn't want you to have a guest host. Um, now. Speaking of Jared, so I, I filled in uh, for the evening show. It used to be my slot on my flagship station, WSB, and then I moved noon to three. And uh, Eric Von Hessler and, and his uh, doctrinaires have the evening. And so I filled in for him yesterday with uh, my buddy Jared Yamamoto, who years ago was actually my producer. And then he went to work for Herman King. And one of the stories that he flagged was this. I got to play you this audio. This is a woman from TikTok who is a fat influencer. This is a thing now, a fat influencer. I'm going to FatCon in Seattle, Washington, January 5th through 7th, and I want to see you there. FatCon is a three-day fat liberation celebration, y'all. We will be celebrating fat liberation, body acceptance, and the power of being in fat community. With over 60 hours of programming spanning from policy, legislation, healthcare, community, and visual arts, plus a ton more, this is sure to be something you don't want to miss. The uh, we, 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 can, we can just stop there. So I pulled up the website. Uh, it's got lots of lots of pinks and lavender hues. It's got an overweight uh, younger black lady wearing a, a gold crown. Join us January 5th through 7th at the Hyatt at Olive 8. Oh, they're not going to be eating olives. In downtown Seattle. Come enjoy the biggest fat celebration of the year. With over 30-plus hours of programming, amazing keynote speakers, a fashion show, and a vendor's hall all geared towards generating fat joy and informing the fat experience, it's going to be the convention you've always wanted to attend. You get to choose your tickets, the fat friend, the plump patron, 
the fat bay, and the fat royalty. If you do the fat royalty, you get the full event pass, early access to the vendor hall, 30-plus workshops, panels, fashion shows, and more, priority registration, priority seating for the opening. Do you get an extra seat just to be on the safe side? You get a fat con T-shirt, a VIP goodie bag, lots of delicious things in that, I'm sure. A hotel room in the main venue, a custom badge, and access to a hospitality suite. I don't see anything about the all-you-can-eat buffet. You get um, one of the sponsors is Big Fig, the mattress for a bigger figure. All types are welcome here, they want you to know. Our mission to improve the lives of fat humans through art, health, public policy, and community outreach by improving visibility. How do you improve the visibility of a fat person? And uplifting the voices of people of size, not people of color, but people of size. We don't seek acceptance. We seek fat liberation. Free your fat. You know what they don't have? Well, let me see. Let, let's let's look at the schedule here. Uh, opening ceremonies. We got a, a um, Fat Liberation 101, Unapologetically Fat, uh, a Grief Cat performance. I'm not making that up. Uh, take up space with Sammy St. James Dance Movement for Everybody, Joyful Inclusion, Self-Love, Chair Yoga, uh, Burlesque, Silk Veil, Building Your Fat Positive Birth Team, Active wear is not enough. We need sports gear. <laughs> Knights of the Fat Roundtable. Fat community is everything. No, oh, it's all about um, adult topics there. Um, BIPOC Babes Meet and Greet. Good Lord. Uh, fat Nerds Assemble. A live interview with Madam E. Under Our Skin, Breaking Shame and Building Community. Make Fat Friends. Praise be to God, I'm thin, silence, mortality, fatness, and Christianity. Uh, more fats, more film, uh, body confidence in the bedroom, trans and fat. <laughs> Not about trans fat. <laughs> it's about trans and fat. Yes, the trans community moving through a world not made for you. Crisco makes it easier. Oh, my gosh. Um <laughs> There's nothing in here about weight loss. There's nothing in here about it. I, I mean, goodness gracious. We have uh, Fat or Swollen, your guide to self-care. Rope Bondage 101. Taking the poison all out of um, Polish and burlesque. Uh, feeling our fat, being fat in entertainment, protecting your peace, drawing fat bodies. Lose the weight of fat hate. Not lose the weight, but lose the weight of fat hate. Y'all, this is not healthy. And this is what our society has come to. I say this as someone who's been trying to lose weight, and it's hard. It sucks. I'm down over 20 pounds, and it sucks. Having to eat better, uh, having to, to give up my pizza and beer lifestyle. I don't want to give up beer. Just have to moderate everything. 
I'm going to CrossFit. I've been going to CrossFit for a while. I put on a lot of muscle, which actually helps. The more muscle you put on, the easier it is to lose the fat. But it's not healthy. This thing even has like, like trigger warnings. Listen to this. Finding joy in movement for anybody. Your fat body is amazing. Join this person, a fat personal trainer and artist, to learn more about shame-free and pro-fat ways to move, focusing on mobility, stability, and strength training. The presentation will conclude with a 10-minute fully seated movement routine. Trigger warning. Trigger warning. I'm, I'm not making this up. The website. Trigger warning. Exercise. Mention of specific size and weight. Here are other trigger warnings, healthcare, specific mentions of weight, body mass index, mentions of diet and fat phobia. Y'all, it's not healthy. It's not healthy. I know this, y'all, I've lost 20 pounds and I can tell you just the difference that I feel. And I got more to go. I had a chicken breast for lunch today and a protein shake. It sucks. But I also want to be around for my children and grandchildren in good health. I don't want to be in a walker. I don't want bad knees. This is normalizing obesity is actually a bad thing for public health. You want to save money long-term, lose some weight and get in shape. Your health care costs long-term will come down. You walk 10,000 steps a day. You, 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 every step you take over 4,000 steps a day prolongs your life. You walk 10,000 steps a day, you're going to live longer, you're going to be healthier. I got to work on, on the steps, actually. I, I, I was for a while there, and then I cracked my heel, and it's been miserable to um, having to wear, I, I wear my, my sneakers all the time. Now they're more comfortable than my dress shoes, but this is this we we've, we've gone off the deep end of society when we're holding fat conferences that aren't tied to weight watchers, teaching these people how to lose weight. And instead we got groups like Southwest said, Oh yeah, we'll give you an extra seat. If you spill out no charge for your extra seat. Used to be a charge, not anymore. We, we, we don't want you to feel bad about it. No, you should. My controversial statement of the day, and I apologize to those of you program directors who are going to get hate mail for me saying this. But we've overcorrected on social stigma and bullying and peer pressure. That sometimes you actually do need your friends to cajole you and tell you this isn't good that sometimes uh, peer pressure can actually be a good thing. My kid, when he was younger, did not like to do certain things. Um, he, he, my kids don't like to be around other people. I mean, when, when you when you live with me, I get it. I, I blame myself having people come to our house and threaten us, go out in public, and they've gotten chased by angry people who are mad at me and and they, my, my kids would be perfectly happy be, being hermits, although my son has an Xbox and, and uh, he's got this gaming PC he got from Vision Computer and, and he's with friends around the world who we know them. They're not strangers. We know them. They've just moved and some of them are in London, for example, and he, he's on, on with his friends all the time. They're just never at our house, which actually isn't that bad. 
but he really, as a kid, there were things he didn't like to do with other kids, uh, and and his friends just picked on him until he went along with it, and it was actually like healthy stuff of like engaging with friends like at playtime instead of sitting by yourself, actually getting off the bench and going to play with other kids and stuff. It, it helped having your friends like push you, dude, lose a little weight. That we we that we shouldn't be stigmatizing it. The, the fact that we're instead we're we're shaming people for saying this isn't healthy. We're getting mad at people for pointing out this isn't a healthy lifestyle. They're driving up healthcare costs for themselves for their families. Um, y'all, you know, Weight Watchers is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Weight Watchers is a very good thing. I have relatives and friends who have used it to tremendous effect. There should be no shame in that. And, and you know, we, we've we've gone this weird direction now where we're more open about our mental health now. There's still a lot of stigma for talking about mental health. Someone talks about their depression. I mean, I've talked about being down in the dumps and, oh, my gosh, people think I'm going to, like, commit suicide or something. No, I, I'm sharing because I know there are other people who they're not comfortable sharing, and me, the radio show host, sharing with you my struggles makes it easier for you to share your struggles. I feel like it's part of our friendship between me and you to be able to overshare for those of you who can't share at all. And there was also the stigma for a time of people going to lose weight and, and I'm off to Weight Watchers and I got to eat. I got to eat a salad. I can't eat this. Now the stigma's reversed of, oh, my gosh, you're losing. Why aren't you proud of all of your body fat? Because I'm miserable and I got sleep apnea and I can't sleep. Now, me, I've got sleep apnea and it has nothing to do with my weight. When I was a kid, I was a skinny kid. I actually didn't start putting on weight until I met my wife who makes the best buttermilk biscuits on the planet and we keep jars of baking drippings. In the refrigerator, wonderful stuff, y'all, bacon drippings. But nonetheless, even when I was a skinny kid, I was the kid. It was so great. We would go on class trips when we lived overseas, and I'd get my own hotel room when we would take these trips because I snored so bad even as a kid. It's genetic. I mean, my whole family, uh, we sound like a sawmill at night, uh, and I would always get my my room, and it just doesn't matter. But there are a lot of people, I me, mean, you sleep better. You move better, you live better. This idea that that we're going to do these conferences and and we're going to like celebrate fatness and now the the athletic wear manufacturers want to celebrate it and you see it on the covers and you the the obese model and Sports Illustrated and you know uh, what's their name Victoria's Secret have gotten rid of their their plus size models now they've gone back to the skinny women because nobody wanted that. It is absurd that this is where we are as society that the, this woke intersectionality is poisoning people's minds and behaviors and our society. And somehow or another, we're at a point now where someone's going to organize a fat conference with very little discussion of how you can be less fat and a whole lot of conversation on how you can be just fine like that. And deep down, all of you participating know it's not really true it's actually a good thing to lose some weight. It's why all the gyms are full in January, and I avoid the gyms in January. All the people showing up for a month and then giving up. Don't give up. Look, I'm going through it too, I, and I'm practicing what I preach here. I have a grilled chicken breast for lunch today. I didn't give up the Dr. Pepper, but I had my protein shake and a bottle of water. It sucks, but I'm down over 20 pounds, and I mean, I can feel the difference. The worst part about it is having to go buy new clothes. Clothes are expensive, but it's worth it. It really is. We should stop trying to normalize this sort of stuff. 
Want to be on the show? Hello? Hello? I, I love your show. Call Eric now at 877-973-7425. Want to be on the show? Come on, be on the show. Call Eric now at 877-973-7425. Hello, welcome. It's Eric Erickson. The phone number 877-973-7425. Let's go to the phones here. Hakeem, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hello. Hi. Hey, what's going on, Eric? This is Hakeem. Good to talk to you. Yes, um, African-American conservative. Thank God more people are waking up. Thank you for your this straightforward talk on that. I love what's going on in Chicago, African-Americans trying to wake up to what's been happening to them. I was just wondering, do you remember when um, Joe Biden was on um, a Zoom call with uh, Al Sharpton? And he said, you better get with the Hispanic community because they will outnumber you all in a minute. Do you I remember vaguely that? do remember that. And everybody was silent on the YouTube. Like, what did he just say? Yeah. I just yeah. wish they would play that more because he made that statement, and we look at what right now he's he's doing what he said he's going to do, trying to create another. Because so many African Americans seem to be, thank God, seem to be waking up, <laughs> um, trying to create another people that they can just vote for us because we're giving you everything. Yeah, yeah, and you know this is Hakeem. That's such a good point. I totally forgotten about that until you mentioned it. Yeah, I, I vaguely do remember he's on this call. And he does mention that um, Hispanic voters are, are a growing demographic, and Al Sharpton needs to be doing outreach in the community and stuff. And yeah, it, it was it was kind of remarkable honesty. They look at this stuff as identity politics. Look at the reaction again to, to Claudine Gay by people like uh, Nicole Hannah, whatever her name is, uh, the 1619 Project lady, that there are racial blacks and political blacks. She, she does a distinguishing characteristic. That's her, not me. Racial blacks and political blacks. And to be authentically black, you got to be both. There are, like Hakeem, a growing number of black Americans who they're putting, they're, they're not viewing themselves as black Americans. They're just Americans. They, they got the problems that white community has, black community, Asian community, Hispanic community, with Joe Biden's economy, with crime in their neighborhoods and the like. And they're no longer willing to be treated as an identity group. I mean, the fact of the matter is uh, black voters in this country have been taken advantage of by the Democratic Party for decades who just expect them to show up and vote. It's frankly the same thing that evangelical voters have been going through with the Republican Party. The Republican Party just expects evangelicals to show up and vote. And increasingly, a lot of them are saying, you know what, I'm just going to sit on the couch, and when I don't show up, they'll realize they've taken advantage of me. That's what black voters are doing right now with the Democratic Party. They've been taken advantage of. Their communities are crumbling. There's crime wave, and they can't find a job. And it has nothing to do with the color of their skin and everything to do with Joe Biden's policies. He's got the courage to tell you the truth, even when it isn't popular. You're listening to The Eric Erickson Show. 
Hello there. Welcome. Glad to have you with me. The phone number is 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program. I want to read for you a headline from the Daily Beast. This gets to a topic I've mentioned in the past, and it is probably time here at the beginning of the year to talk about this again. This is the headline, uh, The Daily Beast, under their category Trumpland. And I quote, Jack Smith keeps telegraphing some seriously scandalous Trump crimes. And then underneath, they write, theoretically speaking, as special counsel Jack Smith makes the case that former President Donald Trump shouldn't have vast immunity to commit crimes, Smith has compiled a very curious list of theoretical misdeeds that seem to telegraph potential bombshells at his upcoming D.C. trial. According, accepting a bribe, ordering an FBI director to fake evidence against a political foe, ordering the military to murder critics, and even selling nuclear secrets to a foreign enemy. These are the particular and peculiar crimes that prosecutors say Trump could get away with if he succeeds in arguing that presidential immunity gives him king-like powers to do as he pleases from the White House. Again, theoretically, of course. In each of these scenarios, the president could assert that he was simply executing the laws or communicating with the Department of Justice or discharging his powers as commander-in-chief or engaging in foreign diplomacy, prosecutors wrote. They used nearly identical phrasing in a court filing to U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin in October. Now, do you see what they've done here? They're taking these extreme hypotheticals produced by Jack Smith, saying if Donald Trump can argue this level of immunity that he claims, these are the sorts of things any president could get away with. And what the Daily Beast is doing is, oh my gosh, he might be signaling he's got evidence Donald Trump's done these things. <laughs> Y'all, we are less than two weeks from the Iowa caucuses. Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis are fighting each other for second place in Iowa, largely choosing to ignore Donald Trump. They're not fighting to win. They're fighting for second place. You actually got to, I mean, say what you will about Chris Christie, but he's right. You, you want to you wanna beat Trump, you got to beat Trump. They're trying to beat Trump. They're beating each other for second place. They're waiting, as everyone has been who doesn't like Donald Trump, for external events to stop Donald Trump. The Democrats are doing it as well. This is why it really is such a dangerous strategy. For those of you who are progressives, those of you who are Democrats, this is a very dangerous strategy for you to go against Donald Trump the way you're going because you expect external events to stop him as well. And you've got the polling that shows that if Donald Trump is found guilty in one of these courts, voters will decisively shift against him. But will they really? You've seen what happened with the indictments. His polling went up. Donald Trump is indicted in two states and in two federal jurisdictions in four court cases 
and his popularity has gone up and he's beating Joe Biden nationally with independent voters and with Hispanic voters. You really, you, you really want external events to stop Donald Trump. Do you know under the Constitution, if the man is put in prison, he can still run for president, and Donald Trump could get elected president of the United States from prison? It's true. The Constitution doesn't contemplate a criminal running for president and therefore doesn't even preclude him from doing so, and it has happened in the past. Uh, we have had people run for president from jail. I don't care whether you like Trump or not. Y'all know my feelings on Trump. Not a huge fan. But it's absurd to me the level of fear-mongering and hysteria from the left. I mean, the people who can't say Claudine Gay engaged in plagiarism are epistemically convinced that he engaged in an insurrection for which no one has charged him, nor has anyone found him guilty of the crime. And then they, they, they can't bring themselves to make compelling arguments against him other than this whole insurrection nonsense, they're waiting for a silver bullet. They're waiting for some external event to take Donald Trump out, just as Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis have done. There's no such thing as a silver bullet in politics. Remember the uh, Republican and conservative angst over Obamacare, and they were just going to get the Supreme Court to get rid of it, and John Roberts didn't do it. And then Roberts set him up and essentially said that everything was premised on the individual mandate being a tax. So Roberts was like, well, we're going to get rid of the individual mandate tax. But when they did it, they also got rid of other things in it. And it went back to the Supreme Court. And, and the federal courts were like, well, now you've changed it. It's, you've changed the premise. Sorry. Everybody trying to find that one silver bullet, that one thing to take out Donald Trump, that one thing to solve that one problem. There are no silver bullets except in werewolf movies, and even then half the time people die. You've actually got to make persuasive case. You've got to actually convince people. And for the Democrats, you people, you people are so convinced Donald Trump's a threat to democracy, you don't even realize that most Americans think y'all are too. It's not that Americans, when you look at the data out there, when you talk to Americans, it's not that they don't think Trump is some sort of threat to democracy. It's just they think everybody in Washington is right now. Everybody just wants power. They don't take the Democrats seriously on the issue. But Democrats are in the worst bubble. So neither you nor I can go a day without encountering someone who's a Democrat or a progressive. But most Democrats and progressives can go a week without ever encountering a conservative. You live in New York City or Washington, D.C. You live in the suburbs of Washington, Chevy Chase, Maryland, Arlington, Virginia, Alexandria. You live in Hollywood. All the conservatives keep to themselves. They don't even advertise themselves. Progressives are proud. They are loud and proud of their progressivism. And no one's going to challenge them. Nobody's going to challenge them. And so what's going to happen is that they are going to convince themselves, well, no one's challenging me. I must be right. And that's what trips them up. So they're convinced because all of their friends think Donald Trump is a threat to democracy. Hey, this is a winning message. He's a threat to democracy. Well, nobody really cares about this. 
They care about their 401k. They care about their economy. They care about their kids in school. They care about their jobs. Those are the issues that matter. And the Democrats, they fall for their own BS. I've never seen a group of people so willing to believe their own press. And the result is they're going to get beaten at the polls. And now what they will tell you, what they will respond to you is, well, look at 2022. Look at 2023. There are dangers here for the GOP. They're absolutely right. There are dangers here for Republicans. The Republican coalition has shifted to a mostly working class coalition with Donald Trump. And working class voters do not turn out in off-year elections. But this is not an off-year election. This is the presidential election when those people do turn out. And when you have black voters disaffected and they sit home, you have Hispanic voters either sit home or vote for Donald Trump. That sort of stuff matters. So the best the Democrats can do is say, well, we'll wait for Jack Smith. Jack Smith will take care of this. What if the Supreme Court does not comply? What if the jury doesn't comply? Let's go back to the Georgia case, the Fonnie Willis case. What people don't seem to realize, they look at this and like, oh, Fulton County, Fulton County is overwhelmingly Democrat. There's no way a jury's not going to find him guilty. Those Democrats, they're going to get on that jury. They're going to find him guilty. Um, Roswell, Alpharetta, Sandy Springs, Milton. These are Republican areas. Northern Fulton County is pretty Republican. Those of you outside of Georgia don't may not understand this because the media doesn't cover this way, but the northern end of Fulton County. God bless them. So Georgia has, what, 159 counties, and there's a constitutional provision that you can't add any more counties without subtracting no more counties in Georgia. The northern end of Fulton County used to be a county called Milton years ago. People want Milton to come back. They want to secede from Fulton County. They can't without finding two other counties to merge because we've maxed out the counties in Georgia. And that area, that area that used to be the county of Milton, that that little knob on the head of Fulton County's triangle, that is a Republican area of the state of Georgia. And if you listen to CNN or Fox News or MSNBC or any other national news network out there, they seem completely oblivious to that part of the county votes Republican. And guess what? They are in what's called the jury pool. You can't exclude them. So one of them, just one of them, gets on the jury and says, this is BS. I'm not voting for this. Then suddenly you've got a hung jury. And I guess they can try them all over again. you got a hung jury. Or you may have a couple of people. You may even have some Democrats who are like, this is nonsense. There was a case. Uh, Stacey Abrams got a huge loss. Um, you know, the, the true the vote people who they did the, the the Mules documentary, and a lot of it was just garbage. Uh, but they came into Georgia, and they challenged thousands of people's residency. I mean, they had moved. They shouldn't be able to vote in counties. Stacey Abrams' group, Fair Fight, uh, sued them all in court. Tried to get some of them thrown in jail, I think. Uh, and um, they, they lost. Fair Fight, Stacey Abrams' group lost. Because in Georgia, you are allowed to challenge people's ability to vote. If they've moved, you you got a reason to challenge them. You can challenge them, and you can't be punished for challenging them. So the, the same Democratic judge in federal court who upheld Georgia's redistrict, latest redistricting also threw out uh, the fair fight case against True the Vote, saying they had every right under Georgia law to challenge uh, voters they thought couldn't vote. 
This wasn't about voter suppression. They, they had a right to do it. Uh, Abrams' group was essentially trying to make the case they were violating federal civil rights laws and suppressing the vote. No, they had the right to do it. The judge got it right. Democratic-appointed judge, Obama-appointed judge, got it right. Now, part of the issue here, too, is the true-the-vote people. They were looking for a silver bullet. They were looking for this one thing. Oh, we're going to disqualify all these people from, from voting, and, and they shouldn't be voting. It didn't, didn't help them. Didn't help them. And then Fair Fight Georgia is, well, we're, we got a silver bullet. We're going to take out this group. Didn't work. Both sides need to stop trying to find the one thing, that one thing that will do. You, you see it on the in the Internet. You get on the Internet, that one secret way to lose weight, that one secret way to make your money in Bitcoin, that one secret you need to succeed in life. There are not one secret to make you see. There, there's nothing uh, short of Jesus Christ himself. There's not one thing. And both sides have gotten in the simplistic habit of thinking they can find that one thing. And in the process, they've given up on trying to persuade people and trying to make their case to people and trying to relate to people who are not like them. And the progressives have it far worse than the rest of us because their bubble is so much bigger and deeper and wider than all of ours. Now, Arthur, I'm going to come to you. Welcome to the show, Arthur. How are you? Great. How are you? Good. What's going on? All right. So, uh, you know, there was all this thing about Trump's gag order in the Fulton County matter. I'm wondering if a federal prosecutor, Jack Smith, has ever been put under a gag order for some kind of egregious, uh, you know, trying to trying to try this thing in the court of public opinion as opposed into a court of law. Oh, you, you, you stumped me today. I, my guess is there's – I don't know offhand, but my guess is not. And uh, the reason my guess is not is because the prosecutor <laughs> – in the prosecutor's role as an officer of the court and as the prosecutor it has has some higher standards and and they can get smacked down easier without a without a gag order so they got to be careful now there have been cases where prosecutors have gone out and held press conferences and they've gotten punished for doing it by judges but not then put into gag orders um I, I'm trying to think it wasn't the, it wasn't Giuliani there was some it was a US federal prosecutor in New York years ago I think it was before Giuliani uh, essentially tried to, to to stir the pot with a press conference and got beat down by a federal judge for doing it. So it, it happens where they cross the line. But I am not aware of any of them being put in a gag order by a federal court. I, I may have to research that one. That, that's an interesting question um, to find out. Um, and, and by the way, Trump's gag order that he was under has been walked back by federal appellate court. He's still under some, but not as broadly as he was originally under it. Even the original judge who put him under what I think is Judge Chutkin realized she had gone too far. You you, you got to allow people to be able to defend themselves. Well connected and well respected. It's Eric Erickson live every weekday. Get the podcast, live stream, email, and social media links by texting ERIC to 33777 now. So I haven't said anything to you guys. Uh, I, I, I tr live pretty transparently on social media and, and with all of you and rarely 
don't share what's going on in life, and I, I haven't shared something that I, I will now. Uh, my wife, uh, and for those of you new to the program, my, my wife has a genetic form of lung cancer, stage four. She's doing fine. Um, in fact, she's got scans next month. She takes a pill that keeps the tumor from growing. She got COVID. Um, now, she's had it a couple times before, and it's been mild, not this time. This has been a, a pretty um, powerful strain of COVID that knocked her out. The, she got the flu last month that wasn't that bad. My son got the flu in the bed. They're the only two people I know who've gotten the flu that where it wasn't that bad. Everybody else I know who's gotten the flu has been disaster. Uh, just, I mean, bedridden for days on end. But this COVID just, and, and part of it, honestly, she says, is the anti, they put her on an antiviral. And it's made her so dizzy, like she just can't get off the couch. Uh, she gets out of bed, comes downstairs and sits on the couch. And today she woke up this morning as I was on the way to the office. And said she really did feel like she turned the corner, thankfully. I, I hadn't mentioned it. Didn't want anybody to worry. She She's fine and going to be fine. Didn't want anybody to worry. Didn't want to mention it. Uh, but but I, I want to mention it for this. I have been, I mean, we, we've, we I've hugged, we've kissed, we've, we've, I mean, I, I've, I've kissed her on the head. I, I've, I, I've, I've, I mean, I've been around her. I've sat next to her. We've been in the car together. Um, again, hugged, kissed, uh, eaten together, sat in the car together. And I have not gotten COVID. Uh, and I'm starting to like get phobic. Like, am I the COVID typhoid Mary? Am I the one who's not getting COVID and I'm giving it to everybody else? Now, I have gone out now several times, including this week, and I've gotten a COVID test. And I have shoved that sucker up my nose into my brain and scraped, and I'm COVID negative. I, I have not gotten it, and yet everybody around me keeps getting COVID, and I'm really starting to, like, get paranoid. Am I like the typhoid Mary of COVID? Uh, friends of mine, now, I, I did get the flu vaccine. I haven't gotten a COVID update. Um, as far as I'm concerned, they're useless. I, I got the original ones because with my wife's cancer, I, I got the original and the booster, and th- those actually made her far sicker than she is now, by the way. You should know that uh, the, the actual COVID vaccine made my wife far This is the worst she's had it for COVID. And she was still worse off from the vaccine. Um, and we haven't gotten booster updates, either of us. Uh, I did get the flu vaccine, which she hasn't. And, and she actually was going to get her flu vaccine when she got COVID and got sick. But I, I live in this state of paranoia now. Like, I'm one of the last people I know who hasn't gotten it. Am I giving it to people? <laughs> and I know my brain shouldn't work that way. But my kids got it a month or so ago, and it was fairly mild. My daughter in particular got it, and, and she was out of school for a few days, but I I didn't get it then. My wife didn't get it then. Now my wife's got it. The kids and I haven't gotten it. I have never gotten it, and there have been times where I thought maybe this runny nose that I've got is COVID. That's the worst I've gotten, but nope, it's just seasonal allergies and changes in temperature, and I'm just, I am I hate to be the paranoid person, but I'm starting to be like, am I like a carrier giving it to people because everybody I know keeps getting it, but I never have. I don't want it. I don't want it. But, man, I'm like the last man standing at this point, it seems like. Uh, knock on wood, I don't want to get it. But she is doing better, thankfully. My goodness. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. 
Granger, for the ones who get it done.